Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 442 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Emergency podcast time. Not exactly a huge emergency, but big, big news happened to the Duke Blue Devils this afternoon. We are here to talk about it. We have a special guest to talk about it as well. We are bringing you all the information that you need about this major recruiting coup for John Shire. Before we get to any of that, we need to introduce ourselves. We need to tell you who the heck you're talking to, because after 442 of these, you may not know us. Highly unlikely. Anyway, I'm your host this week. I am Jason Evans. Joining me, as always, Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Donald, how you doing this evening? You know, there's a saying in life uh, that is no one man or woman should have all the power. But next year, Shire will. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Nice pun there. Very well done, Donald. And Sam Klein. Sam, what are you up to this evening? Well, I'm, I'm at home here in Massachusetts. And the most exciting thing to me about the TJ Power news is that we get to start saying the names of obscure, confusing Massachusetts towns on this show. So let's get right into that. Hey, hey, we're do not it doing the spelling bee today. There's yeah, no wait. spelling bee today. No spelling bee today. Wait, Sam, do it for me. Pronounce the town that TJ Power is from. Well, he plays for Worcester Academy, which uh, if you're not from here or you don't live here is spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. That's Worcester. Worcester. Spelled nothing like it sounds. Yeah, it looks like Worcester. But that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it is not. Uh, in any event, uh, we have spilled the beans now on what is going on and why we are here, which is that TJ Power, top 25 power forward, um, has committed to Duke for the class of 2023. He is now the fifth player to join the uh, Duke Blue Devils class of 2023 class. And uh, this kid's a, a big time recruit. Um, I, I just want to very quickly, um, before we do our analysis, we had a chance just a couple minutes ago to talk to someone who knows TJ Power's game as well as anybody out there. Um, that man is Leo Papil. He is the AAU coach of the Boston Area Basketball Club, the BABC, which is one of the top AAU EYBL um, programs in the country. Just, just for perspective, uh, this is a guy who has coached dozens of players who went on to the NBA. He's probably coached scores of players who have played big-time college basketball. I'll just give you a couple names. How about Bonzi Colson? How about Cole Swider? How about, how about Patrick Ewing? We're talking about a guy who has a long, long history of evaluating and developing top, top talent. And he has been TJ Powers coach for the past five years. So without any further ado, here is our interview just moments ago with Leo Papil, the head coach of TJ Powers AAU team about the player that Duke is getting in TJ Power. Joining us now is someone who knows as much about TJ Power's basketball game as anybody out there. Leo Papil is the head coach of the AAU team that TJ Power played on. Uh, and, and it was on that team where TJ Power absolutely exploded this summer and became a big time, big time basketball recruit. Coach Papil, thank you so much for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Report. Sure. It's a pleasure, fellas. Let me start with this. You were there in Kansas City when TJ Power went from a guy that, you know, was on 
the radar of some schools, but you know, not a big time blue blood kind of recruit. And and he his game just you know it blossomed into something that I think most people didn't really expect. And suddenly he had Duke and UNC and UCLA and Kansas and schools like that knocking on his door. Talk to us a little bit about what happened, what you saw from him yeah. over the summer. You know, TJ's been in our program for five years, and I think that a lot of these young fellows that coach college basketball are still learning the game. So, I, you know, I would respectfully disagree that anything he did in Kansas City impacted getting recruited by the likes of Duke and ACC programs. Anybody with a mild uh, understanding of basketball, even college basketball in its uh, current state, which isn't very good, I think, but I just see it as a kid who's been there, uh, you know, since he's been 14 and has been, a, you know, a lead prospect in multiple sports. And because people may not have been aware of that uh, until then, that was, I guess, you know, uh, it, just a happenstance. I don't, I don't think he did anything more there than he's done in his entire career. You know, ha- haven't had him in the program for five seasons. That, uh, but I think the awareness thing, I think you're onto something there, you know, because, uh, like I said, a lot of these college kids that are assistant coaches are young guys and they read reports and they don't get a whole lot of time on the road. So if something like that falls in front of him, he did have a couple of games with big numbers because we had a tough year, you know, we had a two starters go down with uh, uh, season ending injuries early on in April, uh, both surgeries and Guy's probably our best player or our one, you know, second best player. Or, you know, Trey Norman got nicked up the first time in Kansas City without he had a stress fracture. So, power really had to do a lot more in context of our offense in terms of getting more looks. And he did. You know, and as a result, his numbers went up like anybody else. You know, when, when you're getting more, you know, uh, trips to the plate, you're going to get more hits usually. You know, so that, that was sort of it. I, I don't like, again, I don't think he did anything different. He's been a, if you watch them come up the ranks, we've had uh, 25 guys playing the NBA out of our program. You know, you know, this isn't about the NBA, but he's a guy that's pretty clear with his size and 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 and, and ability and versatile ability. You know, uh, I I see him described as a wing and a shooter and all that stuff. If that were the case, he probably wouldn't have got much playing time for us. He's our tallest guy, and he had to be our leading rebounder. He had a score on the block. You know. Uh, just like any other team, you know, you, you have assignments for, you know, for particular guys and he had a whole bunch of them and, and those were two of them, you know, and, and, and in Kansas city in a couple of games in our league, it's not AAU, it's the EYBL. Uh, he, he had a couple of big numbers games and that may have taken guys that were unaware to be aware, but there were a lot of people aware of him in your league, the ACC uh, prior to that, you know, but uh, I don't really get involved in recruiting. Uh, I, I, I stay as far away from it as I can. You know, I just coach the guys and, and uh, is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he's a prospect. Uh, it's his eye. He'll be playing sports, some sport until his 30s, uh, you know, because he's a multi-sport guy. He's a guy that uh, my friends in Major League Baseball say that if the Major League Baseball draft, 2023, if he were to tell those guys that he wasn't going to go to college, he'd probably be one of, if not the first pitcher selected. You know, so he's he's a kid who just if you look at his genealogy, his parents, his uncles, grandfather, all those guys, you know, there's a legacy of sports prowess, you know, going back a couple of generations. So, you know, the guys that, you know, stumbled across them in July, you know, that then they did. 
you know, so uh, I, I don't know when Duke stumbled across him, but, you know, he's been around for a while. So give me the scouting report on TJ Power. You know, what are the things that he does exceptionally well? How does he integrate in with his teammates? And what are the things you think he needs to work on the most? Well, he's very, very bright kid. Uh, he'd be an Ivy League or a Duke admit whether or not he played any sports. You know, he, he's highly competitive in a classroom and in a highly competitive academic setting at Worcester Academy, school that's been around for over 150 years and sizable amount of their population goes on to elite academic admissions. So that's number one for us. We sort of, you know, the barometer we use here is, you know, uh, basketball IQ and, and, and toughness. And in both those areas, he, he grades very, very well. He has an ability to shoot the ball, play in the post. He's a triple threat guy. He can handle the basketball. Because we were so small and our starting big uh, uh, this year at foot surgery early in the season, you know, I challenged him personally, to, you know, to get his ass on the glass. And, you know, we needed that, especially on the defensive back. We're a full court pressure outfit. So sometimes in transition, defense when you you know when you get back into the paint someone's got to go get the ball off misses so you personally you know it uh, was more than a challenge it was an edict if you want to be on the floor kid get your ass on the glass and he and he did a really good job like that you know he's uh very very competitive what, what i didn't want him to be for us and certainly not for his future with you guys is what we in the nba call field goal kickers you know a, a guy that comes in you know, a three goes in, everybody goes to an iron, you shoot four for 10 and you play to your 40. That would, wouldn't be fair to uh, to evaluate him like that. He's a basketball player. He shoots the ball at a pretty good clip. But if he just did that, I certainly would have been, we would have been disappointed in him. He, you know, he, he plays basketball. He goes off the bounce, he gets on the glass, he creates for others. And he's learning, learning to, uh, you know, compete defensively. You know, the ultimate litmus test for a guy if he's going to play this game into his 30s is who you can guard. And I think that, uh, you know, can he guard a 6'8", 260 in the post? Is any of those left? Possibly. Can he guard a gazelle-like 6'7 guy on the perimeter that can go off the bounce, get in the lane, get his own shot? Possibly. And those, you mentioned areas where he needs improvement. Like a lot of high school boys, you know, that, that they got a way to go. Like I said, we're a full court pressure outfit, so it's hard to figure because we trap, you know, we switch. You know, we, we, we're gimmicky, so we, we're not just the, you know, uh, Virginia pack line, you know, you know type thing. We, we, we're more, we take more risk. He got better at that, you know, and I think that one of the other things we challenged him with was his physicality, you know, being physical, you know, the uh, be able to hit back. We use the term hand-to-hand combat. On your league, uh, officiating changes every generation. Some years, you know, they're letting guys bang off the ball. Some years, they're not, depending on how the wind blows. And you know, he's got to get better at that, like, like all high school boys, you know, you know, do. So, you know, he's uh but he's a willing learner. Again, he's a very, very bright guy. He, you know, he takes all AP courses at a, at a very competitive place, which really doesn't really value the fact that he's a good basketball. They value it, but it doesn't set him aside in the classroom. I think what I think it's one of the reasons he picked Duke. If you look at some of the schools that are on his final list, Boston College, Virginia, Duke, and Carolina, all really good academic institutions. You know, my guess a year ago, I thought he would have ended up at Harvard, you know, and, and, and uh, 
because they were hot on him. And one of your alums, as you know, coaches there, was a good guy, uh, you know, and, and, and a great coach. And you know, he, they really wanted him. And, you know, Harvard's hard to turn down, you know, because of what it is, the institution that it is. You know, the, the basketball is only there, you know, for a while. But uh, you're getting a good guy, number one, high character, high IQ. And again, that's the, that's the value system we use here and in, in, in inviting guys to play for us when we recruit, you know, eighth graders, ninth graders to come to the program for the last 45 years. The barometer we use is IQ, character, toughness. All the other stuff we can figure out. If you can't make a shot, we can get some guru shot doctor to figure out and you know, make the ball go in once in a while. We, we, we can figure all that stuff out. But the thing I don't think any coaches can figure out, the guy doesn't have those three ingredients, the IQ, the competitiveness, and the character. And by character, I talk about 24-hour-a-day character the 22 hours a day outside basketball. We talk about that all the time. And in those 22 hours outside basketball, the NBA, we also we always go around like, you know, when Shire was a kid, assistant for, for Kay and all that, we'd call him up and say, Johnny, I just got to ask you three questions. Could you live next door to him? Could you babysit your kids? Could he date your daughter? I can figure out the rest. I've seen him play 500 times. He just dropped off. What the heck happened? He probably hung up. You want to, he probably just accidentally hit the button. You want to call him back and just tell him to dial back in. We lost you. <laughs> Looks like we had a technical glitch. I was probably talking too much. That's one of my many. Calls. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, yeah, we were, I think we were at the point of, of, of the, you know, the, I think I was talking about the 22 other hours a day and, that, and that's so critical today, you know, college basketball, you know, the transient nature of it now, you know, with the, uh, you know, unlimited transfers although they say there's only one and guys getting waivers guys bouncing around and all that stuff you know to me a lot of those things are uh guys that may not have had the character training at home or from people that influence them and you know jump around from place to place and my point is in power you're getting a guy that you know his feet are on the ground he's he's immensely mature and he'll, he'll fit in you know 24 hours a day in any elite program like yours because he is, you know, we talk about all the time, this is a we sport, not a me sport. We tell freshmen, when you take your first road trip and when you return home, your friends, your folks will ask you, son, how did you do? You can say, well, I didn't get any run. I didn't get any looks. I didn't get any whistles. We prefer the answer to be, we did well. We won. Next question. Coach, I want to, you know, I, I want to jump in right there. Uh, because I think there's a question that we have as as Duke fans. We're we're obviously going to see TJ Power in front of the Cameron Crazies next year, and there's always something about every single player that we love to kind of endear ourselves to. If there's one mm-hmm. character trait, whether it's on the basketball court or off the basketball court, that Duke fans should be most excited about TJ Power in a Duke uniform next year. What would that quality be? Competitiveness, you know, uh, body language positive uh situation you see guys that you know a lot of these poor kids they get enabled as children by uh you know immature parents or 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 fans or entourages and things like that this guy doesn't have any of those uh faults that a lot of kids have you've seen them there you know you've had your successes and your failures your one and outs you know your one and get outs i call them you know so I think this competitiveness is a uh, is a quality that you'll see. 
his character, his, his ability to compete, his willingness to compete in a, in a team sense. I don't think he goes home and like, like a lot of these kids do and sees where he is on Draft Express. I don't think he knows about Draft Express, nor would I expect him ever to. You know, if, if that day comes, you know, someone will let you know. Someone that understands the inner workings of basketball and let them know that. So I think you're getting a high character competitive kid. And I think, like you said, over the last, look at you, know, you look at your league, look at your program. You've had, you know, some successes and, and some failures, you know, along those lines. And, and again, it doesn't always reflect on how many minutes they got, what the stat line looked like. You know, the successful guys are guys that, you know, have the ability to deal with adversity and continue to compete and keep their head down and their ears shut and their mouth shut and listen to the one man that directs them, their coach, and don't get influenced by the incredible amount of negative influence I think kids have them on today from, from, from you know, from social media and things like that. And your goal is, okay, you know, Duke's opening up November 9th against High Point. You know, how do we beat High Point? And then Duke's open up January 2 in the ACC against State and Raleigh. And how do we beat State? That should be his focus. And that's what you're getting, a guy, I think, that focuses and, and he competes. He, 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 he blocks out the noise, as the kids say today. And there's so much noise in this game right now. I'm not here to condemn college basketball, but having you know, been around a long, long time, it's glaringly obvious to me. You know, I'm not trying to compare errors or anything like that, but the college game right now, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's transient is, is the fairest way you can describe it. The way these guys bounce around. It's like, uh, I, I talked to a peer and another NBA guy yesterday. I said, have you got your uh, magazines yet and see where all the kids have landed, you know, the 1,752 transfers and see where they are. And some guys on their third time and the grad guys and the COVID game, the game is different now. And the guys that don't, uh, can't subsist on character are going to fall by the wayside. I'll guarantee you that this guy won't fail because of those issues. I think the failure rate uh, is, is is very, very high for the guys that don't have those qualities now because, you know, you can go transfer during a handshake after the high point game. You, you know, you only got 19 minutes and you thought you were getting 22 and your parents are, you know, calling the guy that you, you know, the guy that recruited and said, we got to get him out of here. It's, you know, it's November 9th and he only played 19 minutes. You, you have all this negativity, but I think in this guy, that will never happen. You, you, you're getting a wee guy, getting a team guy, and you get a guy that his degree is very important to him and his family. He goes to college for the right reasons, you know, not to run around, have, you know, the dick by towels of the world hooting and hollering about him. You know, he, he he's grounded. He's a very mature guy. And that usually lends itself to, to winning at the higher levels of basketball. Hey, coach, you, you've talked a lot about uh, TJ's sort of on-court strengths and weaknesses. You've talked a lot about his character. You also have a pretty long and distinguished career, not just coaching high schoolers, but working with colleges and also a lot in the NBA. So maybe we yep. can ask you, what do you think TJ Power projects as, as a pro on the basketball court, thinking about all of the the factors that you just laid out for us, maybe what's the the case for him getting drafted in a couple of years and, and where do you think his, his career projects knowing how many, you know, other, other guys you've, you've worked with uh, in pro careers. Yeah. I can talk about the other 25, but unfortunately, even though uh, I'm now a senior advisor, so for the Clippers, 
even though our owner, Steve Baum, was a wealthy guy. If, if I or any other personnel guy comments on a drafting eligible player, then sadly, New York will come in with a fine. So I can't talk about anyone who's draft ineligible, and that includes Mr. Power. So uh, yeah, yeah that, that's just how it is. But any other guys that are pros, you know, I, I could I could go on the record all day long for, but the league rules forbid personnel from speaking about drafting eligible players. If you were a senior, I could give you a couple of paragraphs, but he's not, so I can't answer that one. That is the best version of no comment that I've ever heard on, <laughs> yeah, but on this it, program. It's, all, it's also a fact. It's, you know, I didn't want to be. Oh no, I, no, guy and say no I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not blaming I, I, you for it. I just appreciate your uh, your respect, thoroughness. Yeah. Uh, out of respect to you guys, uh, I'm just telling you that uh, it's you know the commissioner Stern Garish to so put that in in the 90s, and uh, you know if that were the case, they'd get a they'd get an email tomorrow that one of your personnel spoke of a drafting eligible player is twenty five thousand dollars, and even though our guys are rich guys, that's not fair to do. You know, no, and so, and and so, look, uh, Commissioner Stern, Commissioner Stern went to Duke just like uh, the rest of the my oh, co-hosts I and I did. So so or uh, not Commissioner Stern, Commissioner Silver, Silver rather. Yeah. And yes, uh, and yeah. so we know that uh, you don't want to get in any trouble with him because he's a sharp dude. So no, he's okay. a good dude. He's a good dude. He, we appreciate that. All right. So can can I can I ask you one question before we get out of here? Um, just looking sure. at your looking at your extremely long uh, basketball resume, we know that uh, BABC um, worked with uh, Patrick Ewing way 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 back in the day. Um, can you Plus talk a little 81. bit? Yeah. He- yeah. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about about Patrick Ewing as a as a young man, and uh, and maybe a little bit about you know your your view on him in the in the coaching profession as well? Quite a bit. You know, we had him for five years. You know, he he actually worked in a bar restaurant of mine at night too because he was a kind of guy that always was 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 a hard worker. So I had a bar restaurant over by his high school at the time, and, and Pat was a uh, just a diligent worker. He went from a gangly 14-year-old rising high school freshman to by the time he was a senior in 1981, one of the premier defensive forces in the history of scholastic basketball. And, you know, he made the NBA all-50 team, all-75 team, had a productive 20-year career. Uh, and again, it, it, you know, if you circle back, you know, probably it was uh, coming out party was a sophomore year. There was a country that used to be called the Soviet Union. It's not in business anymore. They used to bring their U-20 national team on a tour of America in his sophomore year. It was Mother's Day of 79. He had a triple-double, and, you know, he never looked back. You know, like 12, 10, and 10, something like that. And he became a defensive, disruptive force of the highest nature. And, and when he got into the pro game, he worked diligently to get that baseline jumper and get a little bit of offense that he didn't have at the high school or, or, or collegiate level. But, again, it was his work ethic that he put in a number of years, you know, in the Van Gundy family with, with Jeff as an assistant and adopted the Van Gundy philosophy, which has had success in the pros and translated that at, you know, Georgetown, he's had some rough roads again, players coming and going like most programs, you know, that's why the, the game today, it, it's so different to me. When I look at college basketball, I know, Hey, guys always transferred. And it was a big decision. You'd sit a year. You, so you have plenty of time to think about the new place. You know, right now it's it's like free agency. I mean, again, I'm not here to bury college basketball, but you know, Pat grew up in a different era. You know, he spent four years at Georgetown. If he were around now, it would be highly unlikely that he spent more than a season in college basketball. 
or he might even been one of those characters that goes like G League Ignite or, 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 or one of those other uh, outfits that they have out there now that allegedly prepare guys for college basketball, you know. So it's a different world. But his his whole thing, Pat, he was just a hard working dude. He put the time in and he didn't fool around. You know, he was he wasn't uh, he didn't need an alarm clock to get up in the morning. You know, if he had to be there at six a.m., he was he was up at four, having his cereal and and, and getting you know, lacing his sneakers and and walking over to McDonough Gym and getting in there and getting the work done. And again, that's having been around this stuff a long time. That, I don't think that makes you any smarter, but it gives you more of a ability to evaluate people over decades and the success and the hall of famers who've been around, you know, like those are the guys that, again, that's why I stress so much what you're getting in power. They have those attributes. It's almost impossible to have great success at the elite level without those attributes. There are a few guys that have God given and can fool you once in a while and they'll do their thing and who and are and all that stuff. But generally they'll fade without that relentless, work ethic, you know, sparked by impeccable character. Coach, we are so appreciative of you giving us the time this evening, just hours after TJ Power selected Duke University. And and thanks so much for all your years of of knowledge uh, and your perspective on all this stuff. We appreciate it. Well, it, it, when you get old, you know, you like to talk. So I appreciate you guys having me. <laughs> thanks a lot. Hope to talk to you soon. And good luck to you guys and TJ. All right, guys, we're back from the break. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to break down a little bit of what we heard from Coach Papil because, wow, there was a lot to unpack there. Uh, I, I personally, you know, anytime you hear a guy talking about, I mean, Donald, you said it, you go, Hey, what's, what's the one word? What's the one thing? And he said, competitiveness. You got to love that. Clearly this is an old school guy who sounds like he's instilling old school values in his players. And he spoke so much about character competitiveness and my favorite line. He said, everyone in their program are we guys, not me guys. They are all team players. And he said, that's what we can expect from TJ power. Yeah. And I really liked all of those answers. I, I, you know, wanted to ask about the one quality because he gave us so many that got me excited, right. About TJ power and what he can bring to the table, but the competitiveness, the drive. And honestly, Jason, when he mentioned focus, the fact that he can, you know, put everything else out of, you know, out of his rear, out of his radar and just focus on the next game. That's literally part of the legacy of Duke basketball, right? Next play. Focus on what's ahead of you, not what's behind you. And I think that's going to be a quality that he can really utilize early on in his college career. Uh, I, I think we, we didn't get a chance to really ask him if he's going to be a, a type of player um, that can, or at least we didn't get an answer about what type of player he could be, whether he's going to try and go pro. But I think the competitiveness part and the focus are two things that every program needs. They need those guys that are going to be able to come in, really put their head down and really just kind of engage in the college experience, especially the Duke experience, because it's unique. And from there, the competitiveness and the drive to always want to win and help the team in any way possible with so many guys that come in from all over that were are the alpha males at their school. 
for him to come in and also be an alpha male, but also be one that can be a team player, I think is incredibly valuable and cannot wait to see him in a Duke uniform. You know, all of that said, Donald, the thing that excited me the most is how much Coach Papil talked about how smart and dedicated TJ Power is, right? A kid who gets recruited by Harvard, thinks he's going to go to Harvard. Turns out he's actually going to be potentially teammates with the other Filipowski brother, the one that decided to, to leave the state. But I love hearing stuff like that, acknowledging the, you know, Duke's recent history with Henry Coleman coming to the program and then leaving. Generally speaking, you would think that a player of that, not just athletic prowess, but academic prowess would be interested in sticking around at Duke for a while. And as we talked about on the last episode, looking at the roster for next year, and we don't have to go too deep on this. We know that there will be changes. There will be more recruits. There will also be guys turning pro and transferring and blah, blah, blah. We haven't even seen them play this upcoming season yet. There's a whole season of Duke basketball before TJ Power shows up on campus. But acknowledging the basics that we did on the last show, that Duke has already recruited two other guys of a similar size and not of the exact same, you know, type of player, but similar sized guys. Unlikely, I think, if we're guessing today, that TJ Power is playing 30 minutes a game for Duke basketball next season under almost any circumstance. So you hope that well, he wait, comes. You in. know what? I'm going to push back on that a little tiny bit, which is that, and I know. When I was talking about him, I was like, look, he's probably not, he's probably coming to Duke to be a, a backup um, to, to uh, Mackenzie Mbaco or uh, to Sean Stewart. There, there are scenarios where TJ Power plays a lot for Duke as a freshman, uh, especially because he is an elite shooter. He is arguably the best, you know, and, and John Shire wants shooters on the floor. That's something that we are seeing again and again and hearing about. So, and I, I totally get that. I'm just acknowledging that there are other big guys yes. on the on the team. So so he's not and that's maybe not counting plays, some of the guys who might come back, right? Who, exactly. Right. There's yes. there's right. the same As way I said, tons of unknowns, but you sort of hope that he comes in with the attitude that he could be a two or three or even four year player for Duke. And if he has the you know commitment to the whole package, the commitment to you know the 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 lifelong benefits of going to a school like Duke that we're just going to absolutely love having in, in the program, the way that we loved having similar types of, you know, like, like a, a Ryan Kelly type of player, or even a Nolan Smith type of player. Like these are the guys that are committed to the whole experience, not just to, I happen to be a great basketball player. And therefore, and when I got the Duke offer, I just automatically went to Duke. Uh, Coach Papil said he was, you know, before he, before he really blew up, TJ was was really thinking that he was going to go play for Tommy Amaker in Harvard. So I I just want to note, you know, they they had the another one video that always comes out when we have uh, a recruit commit. Uh, I will say it has changed slightly, um, and there's some new edits in there. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It still looks really cool. One thing I was really really hoping for was that instead of the normal music that they have with it, that they would include something that is that includes a song that has the word power in it because there's so many of them. So camera crazies, you have a year, you're on the clock. Uh, I challenge you to come up with a chant or cheer for TJ power from one of these many, many great songs. I mean, Kanye has a song called power uh, snap. If you want to go all the way back to the eighties, I got the power. Like we got a lot of options here. 
I'm ho- I'm hoping that they can come up with a chant for TJ Power that will scintillate everyone in Cameron Indoor Stadium every time he hits a jumper. You know, one thing I want to point out, we haven't talked a lot about TJ Power's game. Um, that, that's partially because literally on our previous podcast, um, I, you know, we, we went into a deep dive on him. I, you know, as I said at the time, we sort of thought his commitment was probably coming in the next couple of weeks. And we suspected that Duke might be leading. And, and so we, we talked a lot about the versatility of his game at that time. But the, the thing I did want folks to know about was his official announcement today, because uh, there were a couple of really nice moments in it. The first one was just before he made the announcement, he, he was thanking his parents and stuff. And he mentioned his grandmother, who I, it feels like has fairly recently passed. And he, he teared up. He started crying. I mean, this is a kid who, um, at this huge moment in his life, was thinking about other people. And, and I think some of what we heard from Coach Papil sort of lets you know that he's that kind of person. Uh, but then the thing I really liked was when he started talking about why he wanted to join Duke, first of all, he announced by saying, I'm joining the Brotherhood. That's the thing that all these guys say. I mean, I know it sometimes feels like this gimmick or something, but it's a, the Brotherhood is a big, big deal. And again, the way TJ announced for Duke was he said, I'm joining the Brotherhood at Duke University. But the other thing that struck me was he said he's always wanted to play for the best and that Duke is unquestionably the best. He said he wants to play fast. He wants to shoot a lot. And that John Shire told him that's the kind of team that they are building at Duke. And then the last thing was he mentioned that he really connected with John Shire and he mentioned the fact that John Shire is a young coach and he felt like because Shire's a young coach, Shire really connected with him, understands what TJ is going through and what TJ thinks and what TJ wants. Um, and, and just those little nuggets from his, from his press conference, I think that tells you a lot about why John Shire has turned into the best recruiter in the entire country over the past couple of years that he's been a head coach recruiting. It's because the kids are connecting with him and he's telling them, come here, you're going to play fast, you're going to play fun, we're going to have an up-tempo team, and you're going to get to the NBA. We can get you there. So as I'm glad you mentioned the tempo part of things and the shooting part of things, because I think it was just a couple of days ago, if not a day ago, uh, Brenda Marks from The Athletic had one of those Duke mailbags that he does regularly. And one of the questions was about the style of play that Duke was going to play. And he mentioned that the key emphasis from this coaching staff this year is to instill the fact that they are going to be running the basketball. They're going to have more up-tempo type of offense. And that's not to say that we were slow on offense. We were kind of middle of the pack uh, in division one. Duke was like in the one seventies, like in the one seventies. So like right in the middle, you know, maybe a little less than 50%. But I think Shire wants to be in the fifties. He wants to be up tempo and go, but also again, Jason, you mentioned a a couple episodes ago about the number of threes we take. He wants to increase that as well. And, And that makes sense given the fact that, you know, John Shire was a guy who took threes in college and wanted to, again, move the ball up court very quickly, get open shots and get looks and get a lot of possessions. So uh, I think a lot of fans are going to be really excited to see that sort of thing. And players seem to be excited about as well because they're still coming, you know, recruiting and committing in droves. I mentioned Kyle Filipowski earlier, sort of in passing, uh, particularly because his brother is going to Harvard, which is another place that TJ Power considered. I was looking at uh, Worcester Academy's schedule from last year, and it appears 
that Worcester Academy lost both of his contests against Wilbraham and Monson, which is Kyle Filipowski's school, and Flip really dominated in both of those games. So I am very much looking forward to uh, hearing stories about the renewal of the TJ Power versus Kyle Filipowski rivalry in practice during the fall of 2000 or the summer and fall of 2023. So let's hope that both of those guys are on the roster and healthy next summer so that we can have like a full uh, New England, uh, Boston accented uh, mixtape rivalry <laughs> video. And, uh, and, and I'm happy for folks who have not been up in this part of the country. I am happy to translate any of that as it comes out. If only we had, if only TJ power had committed la- this time last year, where both he and Kyle would have been recruits, we would have probably sent you to cover that high school game uh, whenever they. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had known. I now that I'm looking now, I I wasn't really going to to high school games last year. Just still thinking about COVID and stuff. This year, I have to figure out how to get to a Worcester Academy game. Well, guys, uh, this has been very fun um, as we attempt to translate the uh, the Boston accents going on here. But we got to wrap things up. We've been on way longer than we expected. Uh, again, Jason, the, Jason, yeah. it's it's actually TJ Power. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. All right, that's it for episode 442 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. This special edition, this TJ Power commits to Duke edition. We will be back this weekend, probably talk football and other stuff. Who knows what's going on? Who knows when we're going to have another emergency? Uh, for Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Thanks again to Coach Leo Papale. Papile? Papali? Oh, God. Papile. Papile. Yeah, I blew that one. Anyway, Papil. thanks to him for coming on and telling us about TJ Power. Now it's time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. That's Coach Leo to you. <laughs> I'll do a very quick introduction of you. And then uh, we just want to mostly talk to you about, you know, TJ Power, what you saw this summer, and and maybe a little bit of some of your stories of how long you've been at this, uh, this AAU thing, because it's, it's quite a, quite a tale, I believe. Yeah, you know, I, I actually work in basketball for a career, and the, the BABC thing is just a volunteer thing we created in 1977. But I've spent the better part of my life being an NBA executive. But BABC is a hobby. I don't golf, so it's it's a worthwhile hobby. I love it. All right, we'll get started right now.